0: What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one-and-done preview for this week's Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba. Yeah, new name, but it's the the event in Mayakoba. So uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do outrights. We're going to do some head-to-head matchups, and we will talk about one-and-done because I know that's happening uh, because I'm getting all your messages and I'm getting all of your tweets. Real quick, everything that I show will be available and is available on my website. It's called rickrungood.com. You should sign up for it. I think you'll enjoy it. If you would like to try to win a monthly subscription to RickRungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you're here on YouTube, uh, very simple. Make sure you've liked this video, you are subscribed to the channel, and you leave a comment below with who you think is going to win this week's event. That's way number one. The other way, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review for the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. It's linked in the description. Leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. And that is two entries. I do it every single week. I announce the winners on the Monday DFS show. Okay, let's jump into this week's tournament predictor. This is a tool on rickrungood.com that simulates the results of the event 1,000 times, and then we compare those results and see if there is any value uh, across the board, uh, looking at the odds from each one of five major books. So, What do we have here? Well, uh, it's fairly top-heavy, as you would imagine. Uh, 10 golfers won the simulation at least 4% of the time, but only 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 won it uh, over 6% of the time, which is a little bit more top-heavy than we've seen in recent weeks. And only 33 golfers won the simulation at least once. Um, That is important because I think it was... Was it last week in Bermuda? I think it was last week in Bermuda. Like 75 golfers won the simulation at least once. It was just completely wide open field. Uh, Lucas Herbert ends up winning it, so that kind of aligns very well. But this, this is more top-heavy with some legitimate uh, worldwide winning, upside winning talent. Justin Thomas led the way in my simulation. He won it about 9.7% of the time, with Abraham Answer winning it 9.2% of the time. If you look across the board, uh, both of those golfers at DraftKings, bet, MGM, FanDuel, points bet, and Caesars are all values. Uh, at each one of those numbers. The worst number for either one of these guys uh, is Justin Thomas's 11 to 1. That is only a small value at DraftKings for JT. If you can get him at Caesars or even FanDuel, at FanDuel, a 16 to 1, that's a pretty big discrepancy between uh, the top of the board. In fact, Abraham Answer it has shorter odds at FanDuel than, than Justin Thomas does, so you certainly are going to want to shop this. Uh, following up those guys, uh, the two in the 8K range. Uh, are Brooks Kepka and Victor Hovland. Brooks wins at 8.9% of the time. Victor Hovland wins at 8.3%. Um, if Brooks Kepka is going to win this golf tournament 8.9% of the time, he is a significant, significant value across the board because he's 25 to 1 at DraftKings, he's 30 to 1 at BetMGM, and he's 33 to 1 at FanDuel, PointsBet, and Caesars. The argument to be made for Brooks Kepka is pretty simple. It's the same argument you could have made for uh, Rory McElroy before he won at Summit Club, it's the same argument you could have made for Patrick. Patrick. Patrick Reed prior to his T2 last week in Bermuda, which is like, Hey, maybe the recent form isn't all that great, but here is a guy who is a proven winner and they're hanging a really long number on him, right? 20 to one for Rory uh, at summit. What was Patrick Reed last week, 30 or 33 to one, depending on where you got him Brooks again, 33 to one in some places this week, maybe the numbers just too big. So it's been a recent run of these guys that maybe you should just be betting even if the recent form isn't there. Um, <clears throat> you're going to find my money invested in Victor Hovland each and every week. No problem there. That's more of a personal bet than it is a model bet, although he does great out pretty well here. After that, uh, anecdotally, my card will probably be Victor uh, kind of as a FOMO bet. Maybe Brooks because of how long the number is, but Aaron Wise is here. Uh, Aaron Wise is thirty-five to one, and Aaron Wise. If you guys have been paying attention, or if you've been watching anything that I done uh, that I've done recently, you understand what you're getting yourself into with Aaron Wise. A a prolifically good tee to green player uh, for a long time on the PGA Tour, now starting to figure out the putter, and it's piling up results. He finished second here last year. He almost stole this thing away from uh, from Victor Hovland. So. Here's the situation. Uh, Do I like betting uh, Aaron Wise at 35 to 1? No, I don't. You know, if you look at his last 12 starts, I think his average odds were like 111 to 1. But Jeff Feinberg, who I just did a a video with, said something that I think really resonated with me. And I I said something like, you know, I wish Aaron Wise's number was 45 to 1. feel better that way. And he said, well, if you want it to be 45, you'd be comfortable or you would still bet it at 40. And maybe you just have to bite the bullet at 35 to one, right? Like, are we really going to argue over five points if everything points in the direction of Aaron Wise? And I think that that's a really good way to look at it. And I would probably end up pulling the trigger on Aaron Wise uh, now at 35 to one. Outside of that, uh, continues to be an emphasis on finding fairways, just like there was last week, and ball striking, which is going to point me to Seamus Power, 75-1 to at FanDuel. That's the best number available on him, Uh, but there are a couple of guys that, while they did not have much success in my simulation, which again, the simulation's very, very top-heavy this week, just because with all the... The seven guys at the top just eat up so much of the win equity. Don't don't be scared uh, that a lot of these guys did not win a simulation. That doesn't mean they can't win this golf tournament. This is just a simulation. Um, Emiliano Grillo, who you know is not a name that I particularly fall in love with, but 70-1 to at FanDuel, 65-66-1 in other places. Let me show you something really interesting on... Uh, Emiliano Grillo. And this is going to take me a second to kind of describe a little bit, but I'm going to filter every player in this field field by Paspalum greens. That's what we have at Mayakoba this week. Now, what do we know about Paspolum? One, it's a little bit of a thicker, wider blade. It tends to help the, the below average putters. Uh, what we also know about it is... That we usually don't have shot link data for it because the other places that you see it are um, Puerto Rico. You also see it at, at Punta Cana, and they don't take the lasers there, so we don't have shot link data on it. So I can't give you the strokes gain putting numbers on Paz Pollen, but I can give you the strokes gain total numbers on Paz Pollen, which is going to obviously include putting. And they're starting to see, there's something that is that is bearing itself out that I think is 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 worth noting, Emiliano Grillo has played 40 rounds on Paz Palum greens in his career, which is uh, more than a lot of guys. And he's gaining nearly two strokes per round. In fact, in the 10 starts that Emiliano Grillo has made on Paz Palum, he has never lost strokes to the field. That's obviously in total. But don't you think that maybe there's a comfort level there? Don't you think maybe he is putting a little bit better on these surfaces? Um, he's never lost strokes to the field on Paz That includes... Let's see, one, two, uh, three, four, four different top 10 finishes, uh, two more, no, One, two, three, four, five top 10s, half of them have been top 10s, uh, seven of them have been top 15s, and his worst finish is a T41. That is, I believe, noteworthy. Again, I'm trying to put the puzzle pieces together here without having uh, the shot link data, but to me, that is a noteworthy thing to to know. I'm also going to lump these two guys together. Uh, one is Russell Knox, who is uh, a, a wide range of, of odds uh, 60 to 1 at points bet, that's the worst number. 100 to 1 at DraftKings, that's the best number. And Brian Gay. I'm going to lump those two guys together because what I would argue they are uh, are golfers who everybody liked uh, last week, played last week, and then will forget about. This week, right? And both of them finished T12. So both of them gave us a great result. And both of them still have really good history here at Mayakoba. So let me pull that up real quick. Here's Russell Knox, who has never lost strokes here, uh, has made every cut, has never finished worse than T33 in seven trips. He has three top 10 finishes. And then Brian Gay, uh, actually even better than that, uh, has never missed a cut in 10 trips. Actually, let me show you a different view of this real quick. He won here in uh, 2008. Hasn't finished worse than T50. I mean, he's made the cut in all all ten trips. Uh, has has one, two three top what's that top 15 finishes a bunch of top 25s always in contention seemingly playing well played well last week so that is a situation where you can get guys that uh, are now much longer Brian Gay's like 300 to one and and everyone's just gonna forget about them and I'm willing to give them one more dart throw which is exactly what that is it is a dart throw Um, let's go over to matchups and see what we can find there. Okay, this is the head-to-head matchup tool on rickrungood.com. You plug in any two golfers for any two any time frame that you want, and it tells you the likelihood that one beats the other in a four-round matchup. This one right out of the gate catches my attention. Justin Thomas and Abraham answer. I don't know what to expect. Uh, Caesars has them both at minus 110. I have them. Yeah, well... Yeah, that's about right. So I have Abraham answer winning this 50.25% of the time, just a hair over 50% of the time. So he'd be minus 101. Uh, This obviously doesn't take in the juice. uh, So this is basically exactly the same calculation that Caesars use, which is sometimes, hey, sometimes that's good uh, when it matches up like that. Billy Horschel over Scotty, or not over Scotty Scheffler, against Scotty Scheffler. Let's see. I have, ooh, so this is pretty interesting. And let me describe something to you. I have Scotty Scheffler winning this 71% of the time. It's a lot. Uh, What this does not, though, see, this is actually, this is interesting. Uh, And this is a very good lesson in golf data because golf data is uh, weird. It's usually incomplete because of different tours and even on the PGA Tour. Not every week has, you know, the strokes gain metrics, for example. Billy Horschel uh, really does not do well in this modeling because his two best events in this time frame are not included. Uh, he won the match play, which is, the, the you know, the strokes gain metrics are not calculated the same way because it's a match play event, um, and, which is not included. And then he just won on the European tour a couple of weeks ago. That's not included. So I would actually, I would probably just throw this one out. Uh, Billy Horschel is going to be tough to run here in the model. He is minus 120 to Scotty Scheffler here. I don't mind that. I think he's played well at Mayakoba as well. So um, interesting. Yeah, but but a little, little lesson in golf data. How about this one? Aaron Wise versus Terrell Hatton. Again, Hatton has a result or two. On the European tour, that's probably better. And he's still a favorite here. Minus 125. uh, Caesars has it the other way. Wise minus 125. But if you shorten this time frame a little bit, yeah, see, that's what happens again. And this is how the modeling works. The shorter the time frame, the better this gets for Aaron Wise. Um, So if you like recent form, you're probably a backer of Aaron Wise. If you like longer term form and you want to rely on that, you're probably a backer of Terrell Hatton. The last one I'll leave you with here is Victor Hovland over Tony Finau. I have Victor winning this 55% of the time, minus 126. Caesars has him at minus 143, so it's a little more than juice. So it's probably, um, you probably can't bet it. The number's probably not good enough, but I think that Victor Hovland uh, is the favorite to beat Tony Finau in a four-round matchup here. One and done, real quick, um, because I think this is pretty straightforward, and I'll be coming out with a one and done video kind of an updated one and done strategy video here uh pretty soon but I think the the logical the logical play for this week is is Abraham answer um for a lot of reasons not only has he been really good right one he, he was great last year then he finally won a WGC then he had a couple more top 15s after that uh, but he's his skill set which is uh accuracy over distance is the best skill set for El Chameleon, And he's also uh, played well here in the past. So he, to me, is the most logical answer. Uh, do I want to save Justin Thomas? Probably. Do I want to save Victor Hovland? Probably. Uh, I could argue rolling out Scotty Scheffler here. Uh, the idea being that, hey, you know, this is a good place for a guy to get kind of like their first their first win. Uh, and I think Scotty Scheffler, you know, he has been playing the, playing better than maybe some of these numbers and metrics indicate he's very good off the tee. He wasn't good at the, at the CJ Cup, but that's an outlier. Pro- that probably doesn't happen again. Um, you know, the Ryder Cup stuff, he was fine at the Ryder Cup. His his putters turned around in the last couple of weeks. I can make a case for Scotty Scheffler. So I, I'm going to roll out Abraham Anser, uh, but Scotty Scheffler uh, being a viable option as well. And I don't think you need to stray too far from those guys. Uh, if you really do, Billy Horschel would probably be the guy. Um, because of the lack of desire to play him anywhere else outside of maybe Zurich. If you have to play the Zurich and you, he gets a really strong partner again like uh, Sam Burns. But playing well right now, um, the metrics, again, do not back up how well he's been playing because they're PGA Tour metrics. Anyone on the European Tour, this would probably be a pretty good place to roll out Billy Horschel. Okay. I think that'll do it. Uh let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.